now let's lift his name higher it's revival in this place hey we love to call your name is something we cannot explain that happens when we proclaim your great name your Wonder working, ever back to moving power. 
Greetings, everyone, and a happy Sabbath to each and every one of you as it arrives. Uh, depending on the time zone you're in, maybe Sabbath has already arrived. Uh, for us here, we're anticipating it. We're right at the at almost that time of sunset, and so we're praising God for the Sabbath. Um, now, I look forward to the Sabbath because it's a time when we, we take time off from all of the things that we like to do, we want to do. Um, that is our own thing, you know, uh, and we take that time out and we spend it with God. And uh, that looks very differently for many individuals, but it means that some of us will actually be in church. It means that we'll be with family, uh, worshiping, depending on where you are. Uh, you might find a space that is in nature to be able to spend that time with God. However, you spend that time with God, that is key. Uh, it it is, can be unique. Just by taking a walk in nature, it is spending that time. So happy Sabbath to each and every one of you. Now tonight, we continue our Faith Over Fear series, and tonight we're going to be speaking about faith over hurt. You got it, faith over hurt. And, uh, and so without further ado, I'm going to invite you uh, to join with me in reading God's Word. And it's a well-known story, well-known narrative found in Judges, Judges chapter 15. Judges chapter 15 and verses 1 to 3. Or we'll go on to verse 5, 1 to 5. Judges chapter 15 and verses 1 to 5. The Bible says, After a while, in the time of wheat harvest, it happened that Simon, excuse me, Samson, visited his wife with a young goat. And he said, let me go in to my wife into her room. But her father would not permit him to go in. Say mercy, somebody. Her father would not permit him to go in. This is his wife, hello. Her father said, I really thought that you thoroughly hated her. Somebody say mercy. Therefore, I gave her to your companions. Someone has to scream out mercy. Is not her younger sister better than she? Oh, no. Are you guys hearing this? Please take her instead. Mm. And Samson said to them, this time I shall be blameless regarding the Philistines if I harm them. Then Samson went and caught 300 foxes, and he took torches, turned the foxes tails to tail, and put a torch between each pair of tails. Animal rights activists will be all over him. When he had set the torches on fire, oh mercy, he let the foxes go into the standing grain of the Philistines, and burned up both the shocks and the standing grain, as well as the vineyards and the olive groves. Help me. Help me, Jesus. Tonight we're talking about faith over hurt. Faith over hurt. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, Lord, we need a word tonight. Lord, some of us have been struggling with hurt a long time. So give us the victory tonight, O oh God. And may your name be praised. Speak tonight and use once again this piece of clay. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hurt is defined, Ella Billy, as 
mental, physical, and emotional distress. And if the truth be told, many of us, many of us, oftentimes hide our hurts. You know, many of us who are hurt physically, because uh, PJ said the other night, what type of hurt are we talking about? Are we talking about church hurt? Are we talking about physical hurt? Are we talking about emotional hurt? Are we talking about mental hurt? Those are all different types of hurt. I'm going to talk about some of those tonight. But, but oftentimes, oftentimes, we don't really address our hurt. Can I say that again? Oftentimes, we don't address our hurt. In fact, in fact, I'm not a fan of movies. I'm not a movie junkie. Uh, I don't like sitting in front of a screen for very long. I feel like it's a waste of my time. My daughter, on the other hand, loves movies. But I must admit to you, I actually love some type of movies. Elder Walker, I love old westerns. Yes, I said it. I know you're looking at me strange right now. I love those old western, even black and white, you know, handkerchief wearing, horse riding type of westerns. Oh, no, now you want to turn the TV off just because I said that. But I love those old movies. Elder Walker, they can be predictable, can't they? But I also love war movies. Oh, yeah, take me back to the World War I, World War II. They show me all those types of civil war. Those war movies, they always grab my attention, and maybe they grab your attention too. But I watch those movies, and, and, and oftentimes I watch it even though they're predictable. How are they predictable? Because we know who wins. It's not like it's a question. Um, I watch those movies because there is a star, and usually the star would be the one who rides the horse into the town. I'm, I'm PJ is just tuning me out right now uh, because it's so predictable. I know, I know it's predictable. You have a new sheriff sometimes. You have some guy who just comes up. You know, he, he rides into town, and oftentimes they give the star a, a sidekick. You all know the sidekick, he doesn't really say much or she, and they're in the, in the movie, and they're uh, uh, accompanying the, 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 the star, wherever the star goes, and usually in the westerns, there'll be a shootout after, you know, they ride down the hill. You all know it. I'm getting all excited just talking about a western. Can you believe it? Uh, uh, there'll be a shootout, but oftentimes in the shootout, uh, uh, the, 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 the sidekick or the deputy, the person who is with the star of the, the movie, would, would go into harm's way. Even when they're in the, in, the, in, the, in the war movies, you will see someone who is accompanying the star, and you know the star is not going to get hurt. But that person oftentimes gets hurt. Elder Walker, am I telling the truth? They get hurt. They get shot. They get shot at. They have a wound. And oftentimes, Elder Moncrief, they will be on the ground, and they'll be panting. They'll be breathing very hard. They'll be bleeding, and you know it's a bad wound. And even though they're bleeding and you can say, man, this is a huge wound, that person now they begin to breathe heavy. You know how chain breathing goes, right? I'm just talking the medical terms for the nurses under my voice now, on the side of my voice. You all understand when someone is dying, they start breathing very heavily. It's, like, it's called a chain breathing. And so they start doing the chain breathing, and they're breathing, they're, they're, they're panting, they're gasping for, for air. And, and, and oftentimes the star of the movie would come close to them, and they would turn and they would say, oh, don't worry. It's just a scratch. You, you know what I'm talking about? It's, it's, just, it's just a scratch. And I'm looking at this thing, and I'm like, this is not a scratch. You, you, you're breathing heavy. You're chain breathing. And we hear the soft music beginning to play in the background, and we all know exactly what it means. 
You know what it means. I know what it means. Even the ones who are playing the part knows what it means. It means that your part has come to an end. Because before long, they would then lift up their head. They will say something that really you can't really make sense of. And then their head would drop. And then the star may cry or something. And you know that it was not just a scratch. It was a wound. A, a, a very harsh one that now has consumed them and caused their death. Can I be honest with you? That's how hurt sometimes operates with many of us. We encounter these situations in our lives, and we think, oh, it's just a scratch. It's just, it's just a scratch. It's not something that would hurt me. And oftentimes, that hurt is so deep that it, it, it festers and it develops to the point where we're chain-breathing and we're about to die, and we haven't really we haven't really addressed it. And if we had only taken the time to address it, maybe our life would be very different than how it is right now. Hello, someone. There's a lot of hurt that comes into our lives. Can I be honest with you? Many of us, if not all of us, have encountered hurt. I say, I say many of us because some individuals are not willing to admit that they're even hurt right now. You're not willing to admit it because you have pushed it on a back burner. Can I be honest with you? There are even some hurts that I've experienced that I don't even remember. Because I've pushed it so far back in my memory as if it didn't happen. And maybe you're like me. Oh, don't judge me because you know you've been doing it. You are hurt. You are hurt by individuals who are closest to you. Now, now mind you, mind you. I'm talking about Samson here. Samson, now I'm presenting to you Samson because what I realized, what the, what the Spirit was really revealing to me is that Samson has gone through this life. I mean, he's gone through living, right? And, and he has encountered so many different situations. And what we don't see is Samson actually stopping to address the hurts that he has experienced. You guys still with me, right? So I'm presenting Samson tonight because he is an individual who, 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 uh, who epitomizes, I mean, demonstrates to us that what hurt can actually do. Here we find Samson going from relationship to relationship, and he's not stopping to address the hurts that he has encountered. Now, hurts happen because of relationships. An individual who's out on the street really can't hurt you, PJ. They can say all manner of stuff. Look at him. I don't like his shoes. And you just keep walking. Like, who are you, man? I don't even know you. Who cares? But when you are hurt, it's oftentimes by individuals who are closest to you. Can you be honest? Hurt happens because the person is close to you. You have relationship. And because you have this close-knit relationship, when they say something to you or say something about you or do something or even say go to someone else and backbite about your name, my friends, those situations hurt. They hurt. They hurt, and that hurt lingers for years, especially when they're family members, especially when it happens in the church. When individuals at church begin to slander your name because they saw you talking to sister so-and-so and now they feel that they developed this, this ideology or this, this perception that you and sister so-and-so is going steady. And that news begins to surface in the church. And all of a sudden you're like, I can't believe those backbiting people. 
in that church. I'm not going back to that church ever again. But like I told you, the church is the best place for you because it keeps you grounded. Hello, someone. It keeps you close to Christ. It keeps you on your knees. That's why we don't just leave the church when something begins to happen. So here we're talking about hurt. You guys are real quiet on me tonight. There are moments in Samson's life that presented many hurts. In fact, in fact, many individuals just know Samson for his strength. Many individuals just know Samson as the strongest man who ever lived. They also know Samson for the relationship with Delilah. And they, they coupled the names Samson and Delilah. But what individuals failed to realize is that Samson was not married to Delilah. We don't see that in the text. Samson had a relationship well before Delilah. And this is what we just read. Samson saw a woman down there in Timnah. He went down and he said he, he saw this woman and she, she pleased him. That's, what, that's how the text actually opens with, the story actually opens with Samson. She pleases me well. Go get her for me. That's what he told his parents. And oftentimes in those type of relationships, we're not even considering what the outcome would be. So he gets this woman and he is supposed to be married to this woman. And he goes down and he, he starts the engagement process and he begins to marry this woman. And before long, his best man ends up in bed with his woman. That's what you just read. His best man is in bed with his wife. And the daddy says, don't go in there. I, I thought you didn't like her, so I gave her to your best man. And now they're up in my house. and You came, came back for, for your wife, and you can't go in there. Just take her little sister. Hello, someone. That's what the text says. And Samson's like, you got to be crazy. You got to be out of your mind. And Samson has a temper. I'm getting back to that in a little while. Because hurts will cause us to do something that we would regret later on. Hurts will cause us to, to, to start going, going mad. When you go through some situations in your life, in, in your household, in your relationships, on your job, in your church, my friends, that can drive you. Hmm. And yet you have to process these items. You have to stop for a moment. But we don't find Samson stopping for a moment to process this thing. Not only do we find Samson going from relationship to relationship to relationship, and even though it keeps failing, we don't find him stopping for a moment. And what many of us have to do to be able to address and process the hurts that we have been going through is not to jump from relationship to relationship to relationship. It's to actually stop and be alone for a moment. So Samson doesn't stop. And before long, before long after this incident, we find Samson slaying men. And then he finally goes home. He slayed men until he was tired. And then he turned and he said, God, I'm so tired. How am I going to be thirsty? You're going to leave me like this? I mean, seriously? Samson, I know that you're doing, you're doing God's work because at the beginning, God set up Samson to be the savior for his people. But Samson had a mind going off into all different directions and he was not stopping. And God all the while was trying to just talk to this young man. And he just kept on going without listening to anyone. Relationship after relationship. 
to relationship. And even though each and every one of them was going down the drain, he continued to just continue in the same path he was going. Until he came back and he decided, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do what God said for a little while. And then one, of, all, all one day, Samson gets up and he decides, man, this is just too boring. I need more spice in my life. Samson gets up and he goes down to Gaza. And the Bible lets us know he goes into an illicit relationship, a sexual relationship, sexually tense relationship with a prostitute. This man was serving God. And all of a sudden, he gets up one day, and he decides, I'm going down there. I'm going I'm to just go please my urges. And he's down there, stuck there. And meanwhile, he doesn't realize all the while the enemy is lying wait, trying to de destroy him. And while he's there lying down, asleep, the enemy is out there lurking to destroy him. When Samson hears this, he, he threw himself up. He grabbed the gate of the city and thank God he was strong and ran with the gate. And all the while, God's spirit has been dwelling in the young man. And then we find this other relationship. A little while later, he goes down again and he meets with the Philistines and he sees this woman named Delilah. That's where we pick up on the story about Samson and Delilah because now he's in the midst of someone who is so cunning. She's sly. Not only does she look fine to Samson, but she's sly. She's slick. Just like a fox. She got him right where she wants him. He doesn't even know he's caught up on the hips. He's caught up on the tides. He's caught up on everything else, not the tides. And he's sinking deep, deep into the gutter. And he doesn't even know, my friend, that he has been hurt. He has been hurt time and time again. My friend Samson encountered some toxic relationships. Samson had a gambling problem. You read it. Samson had a gambling problem, El Moncrief. So many times he gambled and he lost. He had illicit sexual encounter. He was in a common-law relationship with Delilah, a woman that he knew was poison. That was a song, right, PJ? That girl is poison. Could it be that Samson is so blind because of the hurt that he experienced that now he's exhibiting all of the behavior of a hurt person? I hope you're listening closely to me. Samson is exhibiting all of the behavior of a hurt person. Can I just go through that for the next few minutes? The behavior of a hurt person first is to avoid or to always be distracted. Samson is always distracted. He's always busy. He's always going. He's always on the move. In fact, in fact, his marriage is full of trouble and yet he continues to work long hours. Long hours to the fact that he comes home and he finds his wife in bed with another man. He's so busy that he doesn't even stop to even address the hurt. What we find him do is to grab animals and burn their tails and burn, burn down everybody's crops. And when they get mad at him, he comes and he destroys everybody else. What we find is Samson, as, as, as someone who's on the loose, he's completely distracted and he's avoiding addressing the issue. Just like some of us. 
Have you ever seen a family at a funeral? Have you ever seen them at the funeral? They're so busy planning the funeral. They're so busy with, 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 with trying to get everyone. Who's going, to be, who's going to be doing this? Who's going to be doing that? Who's going to be here? Who's going to be singing? Who's going to be that? That The moment that they finally stop at the graveside is the moment it sinks in that my loved one is dead. Oh, you guys are quiet on me now. Because we're so busy, we're so distracted, just like Samson, that we don't stop to address the hurts in our lives. The second, the second is, is solitude. We seldom ever take the time to address our hurt. And oftentimes, what you find is that people who are hurt sometimes resort to going into solitude, trying to find a way to block everybody out. So, so they will block you, PJ, and you will only find out on Facebook that you were actually their, their, it's like, why is it asking me to befriend that person when I'm supposed to be their friend? You didn't even know that you were blocked. My friends, that's how it's exhibited a lot of the times. They will find them. I went, I went all the way. I went all the way to Alaska, and I learned something. I went up to Anchorage. I passed, and I went up to Palmer. And then from Palmer, there is this, these, these little cities, and then there's what they call the bush country. Thousands of miles, you only access it by plane, and people live out there. And when they live out there, they're so isolated that now it's become very popular on YouTube where individuals are living off the grid. You guys heard it, right? They're living off the grid. There is, there's the only access they have is like solar panels that they, they have for heat and all the different stuff that they're using. And they, you're learning how they live off the grid. But what you don't understand is a lot of these individuals have gone through certain hurts in their life that now they chose to live in solitude, in isolation, and block everybody out. So they prefer not to be in contact with family or have very minimal contact with family and even friends that they used to have to be able to live this isolated life because they don't want inhuman interaction. And what we find now is that individuals who are in the city, who are even in their churches, are still choosing to live in isolation when they don't want to address the hurts that are in their life. Can somebody say amen tonight? And what God is trying to present is that, hey, I need interaction with you. I need to communicate with you in order to break down the hurts that you have been feeling. Some not only exhibit the, 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 the response to hurt by using solitude, but what about the unstable uh, temper, unstable reactions? That means that what we find in Samson is someone who was exhorting this anger very easily. Just say one word to Samson, he's going to pop the lid. Say one word to Samson, and you don't know what you're going to get. He's always, he's always moody. In fact, Samson is very sensitive. When you look at it, this is a strong man, but he has a weak heart. Because here he's hurt because his wife has just now taken another man, and Samson doesn't stop. But what we find is that he's exhibiting this, this uncontrollable uh, temper that he has, this anger that keeps coming out. He doesn't use much words. He just continues to have an action. Here he is burning down stuff, beating things, breaking things, pulling things apart, dragging things. That's what we see in the story and the life of Samson. And a lot of individuals, instead of addressing the hurt that's going on in your life, you prefer to break your whole house up. You will smash everything in sight. 
You will rip out all the stuff from the bank account. All the money is gone. You will spend it on all kinds of stuff just because you want to get vindictive. Your children, they don't even want to be in your presence because they might get a slap. That temper is uncontrollable because of the hurt that we have experienced. And God is calling us to accountability that if we are to grow in Christ, we got to put away that anger that is deep within our heart. It's time for us to grow. It's time for us to grow. Not only do our moods change when, we're, when we are, are, are not addressing the hurts, but oftentimes we overanalyze. You guys still with me, right? We overanalyze. So, 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 so how do we know we overanalyze? You may even say something to someone. So Elder Walker, someone may, may say something to you. And when they leave from here because they haven't addressed the hurts in their life, they finally get home and they say, why did I say that? Maybe I could have said it this way. What if I, I said it? What if I said that instead of this? What if I did that? So something happened on the job and you're always second guessing and contemplating. You're going back and reviewing the entire day. Maybe I should have gone that way. Maybe I should have said this instead of that. Why did I have to do this instead of that? And you're always going back and regurgitating every situation over and over again, contemplating and seeing what you could be doing differently. You're overanalyzing every situation. Not only that, not only that. But sometimes, sometimes you internalize the things that people say when they didn't even say it. You start thinking, hey, that person said this about me. That person said that about me when the person didn't even mean that. They didn't even say that. But you're going to hear that because it has affected you. The hurt has affected you so much that you think so negative of yourself that everything somebody says becomes negative toward you. Then... What we also find is some unhealthy sleep patterns with Samson. That's why, that's why you, you could find him sleeping on Delilah's lap. And you're like, how in the world can she braid his hair and he's still asleep? Has anyone asked that question? How in the world can Delilah keep braiding the guy's hair and he's still fast asleep? I mean, what did she, did she give him? Not only that, but you also find him in the same predicament in Gaza where he's asleep and finally he wakes up in the middle of the night and just grabs the gate and continues to run. So Samson is exhibiting that he has some problems with sleep. And that's typical of someone who has encountered a lot of hurt in their life who hasn't dealt with it. Are you with me here tonight? Then, then, there are also these moments of depression. We talked about depression. The other night we talked about depression. And there are these moments where individuals who have gone through some serious hurts in their life, where there are moments where you're really down and out, where you feel as if no one cares, where you regurgitate those words, you hear those words that were said to you before, and now they're all internalized and they've been processed to some degree. And all it comes back is very negative about yourself. And you don't even feel like getting up in the morning or should I say the afternoon. Some act like it doesn't even exist. I just continue with my life. I just continue acting like if everything is fine. When I come into church, people say happy Sabbath, and I put a Sabbath smile on and say happy Sabbath. But deep down inside, my heart is broken 
because the hurts have not been dealt with. And while I'm speaking right now, there are individuals who are thinking back from since you were seven years old and how your daddy spoke to you. What your mama did to you. How they emotionally abused you. And how in the world am I going to be able to process this thing? How can I, I, I move on in my life when there's been so much said about me, when there are so many things that I've been through? Some might even say, Pastor, you don't know, you don't know what they did to me. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know, you don't know the stuff I had, to, I had to see from a young age. You don't know what they did to me. No, I don't know what they did to you, but God knows exactly what they did to you. God knows exactly what you went through. God knows every moment of time, every tear that you shed. In fact, the Bible reminds us that God collects the tears of his children. So when you have wet your pillow at night, believe that all of heaven has collected those tears. And God will hold those accountable who has, uh, who has treated his children in that manner. Now lastly, lastly, one of those situations that is exhibited by hurt people is the difficulty to recognize real and toxic. There is difficulty in recognizing real and toxic. Don't you see that exhibiting in Samson? I mean, how in the world can this man who has been and is said to be so strong not be able to determine that he is in a toxic relationship. I mean, he should know, after all, what a real relationship looks like. I mean, we, we can see that his parents must have had a, a real relationship. They must have something good going on because they're the same one trying to speak some sense into Samson from the very beginning. They're the ones that are saying, Samson, couldn't you find a young lady from the church? Say, Samson, are, are there not young ladies here that would please you? I mean, Samson, seriously, do you really need to look at them? I mean, do you see how she presents herself? Do you hear the words coming out of her mouth? Do you see her, her mannerisms? Do you see her character is flawed? Samson, wake up. And yet Samson continues to live life as if everything is cool. Just, just get her for me. That's the one I want. That's the thing that I like. You just get it for me. And we see him going down this slippery slope continually because he's not able to identify what is real and what is toxic. Delilah says, sleep on my lap, Samson. What's the secret of your strength? And all the while, while we're reading the narrative in the Bible, we can say, hey, this woman is cunning. She is sly. But Samson, seriously? I mean, you're going to lie there and you're going to tell her, hey, look, look, the secret of my strength is for me to get some, some green reeds and to, to tie up my hair with it and be sure, be sure, tie me up with it and be sure that, that when the Philistines come, I will be weak. And, and you wake up and you're surrounded by Philistines and you don't say, hey, what's going on here in this relationship? So he turns and he tells her, look, look, not only reeds, but, but you get some new rope and you tie me up with some new rope, and, and, and then I'll be weak. And he wakes up from this deep sleep on her lap, and something doesn't resonate in his mind to say, wait a minute here, woman. I mean, this is the second time 
and I get up and everything I told you, that's what was done to me. And every time I have to get up and burst these things to fight the Philistines. Are you, are you, are you serious? This is a toxic relationship, but Samson doesn't pause for a moment to even begin to process or tell someone or even go and pray about the situation to say, God, if this relationship is not for me, then end it. Because he's so head over heels in love. Some of us are so in love with relationship that we're in a toxic one and we won't even end the thing. We know desperately, we know, we know definitely that God is not approving of that relationship, but we continue to do what we want to do, even though we're, we're getting beat up. Here is Samson, he's being abused. This church boy in a relationship with a girl who has been in the streets, as they say, PJ, she for the streets. And Samson knows it, but he's so caught. He's so caught. In a toxic relationship. So I began to ask the question, how in the world can we as Christians, mature Christians, respond to hurt? Can I stay there for a moment? How can we as mature Christians respond to hurt? Now, now, now the immature response is to get angry. And can I tell you the truth? When someone hurts us, the first Reaction is to get angry. Am I the only one? You get angry because you're like, man, how could that person do me like that? I mean, seriously? How, what, what did I do to deserve that? So you get angry. But the Bible says, uh, be angry and sin not. You all know the text. You all know it. And Job says, Job chapter 5 and verses 2 says, For anger slays the foolish man, and jealousy kills the simple. Anger slays the foolish man, and jealousy kills the simple. That means that we have to be cautious of getting angry. Because we get angry, and all of a sudden, we are sinning. Because we're wishing all types of stuff upon the person. We're like, man, I, I, I can't believe they did that to me. I, I wish evil on them. And guess what? Some of us will even go to the extent where we bend our knees and pray for the demise of that person. Because they hurt us. Sometimes we respond not only with anger, but we want to tell everybody what they did to us. I'm going to tell the whole world that you, you did that to me. I'm going to tell the whole world that you abused me. I'm going to tell the whole world that you are the worst Christian ever. I'm going to make sure that you suffer. Just like you put me through that suffering, I'm going to make sure you have double of it. You guys get real quiet tonight. Some of us even go to the extent where we begin to set up, where we scheme, where we plot our revenge. Oh, revenge is sweet, right? Because when someone does harm to us, we want to see them suffer. We want them to have double of what we had. But Romans chapter 12 and verses 19 says, Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Now that stuck with me, PJ. That got me upset many times. Because I'm like, God, your vengeance is taking too long. I mean, I want vengeance. When they do something wrong... They need to be paying. They need payment for the wrongs that they have done. 
How in the world can you declare that vengeance is mine and your vengeance takes forever, God? I want to see them squirm. I want to see them hurt. I want to see them cry so I can stand up and have a smile on my face. But that's not the way God operates. That's not the way God operates. When someone does something wrong to us, God takes time. God loves them just like he loves us. Imagine, imagine if God treated us the way that we intend to treat others. How many times have we actually sinned against God? Can you count? Some probably even tried many times today and you, you, you lost count how many times you sinned against God. And every time you come back to God, God takes you right back as if you have done nothing wrong. That's the type of God that we serve. So how dare you look down upon that person? 1 Peter 3 verse 9 says, Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing because to do this, to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. When you are blessing somebody who has done wrong to you, God turns around and blesses you because of it. And your enemy is confounded. They're like, how in the world can you be nice to me after all I've done for you? Or done to you. So what is the mature response? The mature response is simple. It's first to call that individual. And if they're not alive, then begin to talk about it in a healthy way with a professional or someone that you trust. That's why for this series, we have mental health counselors on the line who can talk with you. We have individuals. Be, believe me, you can come in and you can make an appointment. We can sit down. We can talk about whatever issues you choose to. Because you got to be able to address the hurts in your life as you grow as a Christian. Because if you don't address the hurts, the devil will have you in bondage forever. So addressing those hurts allow for you to be able to grow as a Christian and become a threat to the devil's kingdom. The healthy response is to begin to have that conversation, to address some of those hurts in your past, to address the hurts that you're going through right now, the things that you haven't even mentioned to anyone else about what you experienced, what you are experiencing maybe even now, and to realize that there is help for you right now. Secondly, is to recognize that Christ has forgiven you. And Christ has also forgiven the other person or individuals. In fact, Ephesians 4 verse 32 says, Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. The Bible says that when Samson did all of his stuff and was out there, Samson was caught by the enemy and was in prison. One of the first things they did is take Samson's eyes and pluck them out. I don't want to go into all the, the details of that. It's so gruy, gruesome. But yet Samson is in prison. And the Bible says that he is grinding in the mill. Now you know what that is? It's basically he's become cattle. So he's going around in a circle, pushing this huge thing 
around and around and around and around and around and every time Samson now 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 Samson is in prison and he's stuck in this situation going around and around but it's just indicative of what his life has been it's a play right here because Samson's life has been going in a circle of motion he's stuck in this cycle and he's been going around and around and now God places him right in smack in the prison where he can't run and Samson for the first time in his life is, is, is he doesn't have eyes but he can truly see what he's able to see is that the God whom he serves the God who has led him all this time is able to address the hurt that he was running from all this all this while and in the prison Samson stops and he does what he should have done from the very beginning he begins to pray he begins to cry out to God and God heard him and the Bible says Samson's here began to grow back Elamon Creve that's good news because it means that God was working even in this man while he was so far away while he was there harboring the hurts and doing all types of stuff killing people destroying stuff breaking stuff God was working in his heart and trying to bring him closer and closer into a relationship with him all the while while Samson was doing his own thing God was saying look in spite of your anger I'm still gonna work in you in spite of the fact that you're out here wayward with this with these women I'm still gonna work in you the danger came the moment when finally he told Delilah his secret and he thought that God was going to be by his side. And he stood up and he said, just like other times, I'm going to stand up. I'm going to shake myself and I'll just destroy my enemies. And the Bible says that the Lord had left him. Can you imagine? In that very moment, the Lord left Samson. But when he cried, when Samson cried out, the Lord remembered him. I don't know what situation you're going through right now but one thing I can be sure on is that once you cry out to God God will remember you God will remember you no matter where you are he will remember you he will never forget you and all you have to do is to call upon him one of those very tragic moments in 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 ministry for me was to sit in a church business meeting and to hear the members go through an argument about this fellowship. This was a young lady that had become pregnant in the church and the church was now deliberating what should be her punishment. You guys still with me, right? And then some of the members, the old uh, members that has been you know, the, the, the ones who have reputation, they stood up and they said, look, we need to set an example for the younger ones. You guys with me, right? We need to set that example. And if the, all the young ones see her uh, and her issues, then definitely they will all want to do the same and think that there is no standard in the church. So let's uphold the standard and do what the Lord has said and write her off. And I said, Lord, have mercy. Write her off. Do you know what that means? 
It means it means that that you have a a a a, a foot that is now diseased. That's that's what that's what this fellowship is. You have a foot that is now diseased and it can't be cured. So because it can't be cured, the best step to be able to save your life is to amputate. You guys with me, right? That's what this fellowship is. It's amputating because it, 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 it just can't be fixed. So I prefer to amputate. But, but the truth is we don't really follow the steps that God has ordained because what we need to do is, is if our foot was really, really beyond you know, uh, calloused or whatever it is, we would do everything possible to see how we can remedy that foot to save it. But we hardly ever do that. So what the church did, they, they said, no, we got a disfellowship. And I said, but folks, we have to be able to speak with the young lady. They said, well, pastor, you go ahead and do that, but we vote for this fellowship. We, we tried to reach out to her and, and we didn't have any, any success, so we vote this fellowship. She hasn't been here in a while anyway, so just vote this fellowship. So they voted this fellowship. And it was my responsibility to now reach out to her. And I reached out to her and she answered the phone. You guys still with me, right? And I went to her house and I began to speak with her. And I said, look, the church has chosen to disfellowship you. And they have gone through this process. But I want you to know that we love you. And I gave her the whole spiel. And she said, but pastor, I think they have it wrong. I said, what do you mean? She says, I never had a baby. I said, what do you mean? She said, Pastor, I never had a baby. They must have been referring to my sister. So they took the wrong name. They took the wrong name to, to discuss. They never reached out to her. They called her name up and discussed it and brought up the fact that she had a child out of wedlock and what they need to do to clean up the books and all the discussion was there and they threw her out. And it wasn't even her. And think about the hurt that that caused. Because here she is. We talk about church hurt. I'm preaching now. We talk about church hurt. Do you understand what that does to someone? The mere fact that you have written their name off, it means that some people take it that you have written their name not off just the church books, but that you wrote their name off in heaven. Because when they came into the church, they got down into the pool and they were baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In their minds, they were, their names were written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And now you say, hey, without even speaking to them, I'm going to take your name off the books. And we do, do a disservice to individuals. We talk about church hurt. That's hurt. You can't fix that. And for years upon years, those individuals stay out of the church because they say, I can't, rem I can't forget what those people did to me. And the reason why they can't forget is because they trust the church. They trusted each and every one. The person who met them at the door. The person who greeted them. They remember all of those moments. And they also remember the fact that you threw them out when they were at their lowest point. And oftentimes it's the young ladies that get the blunt of it. Because we can't find the guys. They oftentimes hook up with guys who are out of the church. And instead of being able to reach out and speak with them, we just throw them out. Lord, have mercy. We have a lot of forgiving to do. We got to ask God forgiveness for some of those, those names that we have written off. Because now they can't be found in the pews and we say, we're losing our young people. No, you threw them out. 
You crossed the name off the books. You never reached out to them. You never spoke to them. You never talked to them. You never allowed for them to see what true love was like because they were going through a whole lot of hurts. They had daddy issues and mama issues and all types of stuff where daddy was absent from their life and they came into the church hoping that some grandmother would adopt them and be their mother. And you never spoke to them. And when they fell, you threw them out. God help us as a church. That's not what God wants. He looked at Samson. And when you see Samson with all of his frailties, all of his problems, God still remembered him. And God called him. The Bible says his hair grew back. So tonight I'm calling individuals. Those who have left. Those who have been hurt. Those who haven't even shared what hurt you have been through been through some emotional stuff maybe even mentally you've struggling and even now when you think back at all the stuff you've been through even in your household some of it you haven't even mentioned but God knows your heart right now I'm calling upon each and every one of you who have been through different types of hurt in your life to realize that God cares for you that you have a church that cares for you that you have, you have a pastor that cares for you. You have elders that care for you. That will do whatever. We vow to do whatever it takes to allow for you to be here. And to be able to worship in peace. To know that you can share your hurt. And you will be heard. And whatever you have gone through, know that God has forgiven. God will take whatever baggage you have. And he will change it around. Whatever problems you've been going through, he will take that. He will say, man, I'm going to turn your life completely around. You will be a new person. Old things have passed away. In Christ, all things have become new. You can become new again. You are a child of God. And God is calling you to grow as a Christian. There are some things you have to forgive, but it's going to take time. Some of those hurts will take time. But know that we support you. And I want to be able to pray for you. Tonight, if God is calling you to be a part of this congregation, to be a part of this church, to be a part of this church family that cares for people who have been through hurt situations, hurtful times in your life, you want to find relief this is the place for you and I'm calling you right now to make a decision for him on the 7th of August we're gonna have a baptism right here this is a brand new situation this is gonna be brand new for you it's gonna be brand new for me where you're saying God take me as I am and make me new that's what you're saying. God, take me as I am and make me new. So I'm asking you right now to reach out to us. Fill in the form online. Send us a message and let us know of your decision. We want to prepare for you. We want to prepare with you. We want to be able to stand with you. We want to celebrate with you. But we want to be able to acknowledge your decision tonight. So if you're under the sound of my voice, those under the sound of my voice tonight who need to make a decision for Christ, no matter what you have done, no matter what you have gone through in your life, no matter what situations you have had to endure, no matter what hurt you had to process, my friends, God is calling you. He's been calling you a long time. So now make a decision for him. Reach out and let us know of your decision because God has been calling you. 
and you know it. So I urge you tonight to be brave, to stand up, and to make that decision for him. And we will support you and pray with you. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, Lord, you see your people. You know exactly what hurts they've gone through. And tonight, oh God, you're calling us to something new. So I pray in the name of Jesus tonight that you will take our baggage, take our hurts, take our fallen, fallen nature and make something new out of us. Lord, we praise you tonight. We glorify you tonight. We magnify your name tonight to know that you're a God who can take old things and make it new. So we praise you. This we pray in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that all of God's people say, Amen, Amen.